Hello again, and welcome to Books in the Biz. Rich, how are you doing? I'm good, Dan. How are you? I am very good, though I think my wages are getting cut. Because that's what we're here to talk about today is our wages actually going down. Um, so let me pull this up. Uh, we'll just jump right into it today. I will share a Wall Street Journal article with you, which I know you've seen, but still is good to see it again. So the title of the article is Pay for New Hires is Shriveling. After years of salary increases, businesses across the economy say they're reducing starting salaries for recruits. Um, I'm kind of calling BS on this one. <laughs> <laughs> At least with the people I'm talking with, uh, they yeah. are not talking about any salary reductions other than how can they uh, reduce salaries. Um, I'm going to scroll down here. I know you have brought this this up. So they have this, uh, for those who are listening, you're not going to be able to see this, but uh, we can definitely share a link in the article, in the uh, podcast for it. Uh, so they, they list out several different technology or uh, industries, and it starts with technology. According to this, the differences between 21, 22 and 23, um, which it does say 23, but uh, you know, the information that we get from the government isn't always up to date. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but anyway, with technology, we're seeing almost a 20% drop in salaries, according to this. Uh, transportation and storage, we're seeing another, we'll say, 15% drop. It looks like arts and entertainment, uh, which everyone's on strike now, is probably even lower than that at this point. They're, they're about 12% drop uh, over baseline. Uh, business, which business is a very broad term. Um, are we talking about frontline staff? Are we talking about uh, middle managers? Are we talking about executives? I think that's all over the board there, but uh, there again, about a 12% drop. Manufacturing, which uh, according, I mean, this again is where I'm kind of calling BS on it. They're saying about 10% drop in salaries there. I'm not seeing that nor hearing that from any of my clients. Uh, retail's about dead heat even. Uh, technically, they're down from years of growth over the last couple. Um, but I know a lot of retail and restaurant, they're, they're still struggling to find people. Uh, finance and insurance, hey, this is your wheelhouse. Uh, they're, they're down, but they're up. How's that? So off baseline, they're still on the plus side. But according to this, they're down a little bit from 2022. Uh, if you're in education, so teachers talking about not making as much money, well, according to this, so here's your chance to call BS teachers. Uh, they're actually saying they're almost 8 to 10% over baseline there, um, and they're up from the two previous years. Healthcare, as we know, is just a constant state of throwing money at things. So they're, they're growing. They're over 22, looks like about 22% up in growth. Uh, though, according to this, there's a, about 1% drop over the previous year. And if you are a veterinarian and you are not making money, please call one of us because either your <laughs> books are wrong or something's going on in your operations. Because according to this map, you're almost 30% over baseline and at least another, uh, oh, well, gosh, it showed that it was in 22 or 21 there was about 22% growth. In 22, it dropped down by 
20%. So there was almost a 40% swing there. And now it's swung back completely the other way to almost a 30% increase. Um, so don't know what's going on in animal care, but I will say this, you have better be making money or you're doing something wrong. And yes, you do need to call us shameless plug there. there uh, Rich, what was your kind of take on all this? Um, well, I think the chart itself was very telling. And I think, you know, I, I always have to take the media's uh, presentations a little bit with a grain of salt and kind of say, wait, wait a second, let me let me dig into some of the detail here because you know Wall Street Journal is a very trusted source, but um, they're better even, than most. I'll give them that. Better than most, but even them. When I looked at the article, I said, you know, I really think I have to dig in a little bit further here. The chart's very telling, um, you know, and I think this is what the media and everybody else is looking to finally get some data on, seeing that things are settling down. Um, but I think the chart is kind of telling me that, you know, it's, it's similar to mortgage rates mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not necessarily expecting them to come down too fast. And I don't necessarily think that everything in this chart is hundred percent perfect because I read it or I'm reading it. I think the same way most people are, which is, oh, okay. We're finally seeing that this stuff is settling down, but when you read the article, it's really only talking about new hires. Right. So, it, and they, and they specifically say in the wall street journal article, which I'm very happy that they did, you know, it says it's only, you know, 4% of the people who are actually working or 5%, mm -hmm. something to that effect. It's a low percentage of overall. So I think it's a leading indicator, but I don't necessarily think it's the aha moment that everybody's looking for on the entire, you know, employed economy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this is really your um, fresh out of school, which, mm -hmm. as we know, you know, school just got out a couple months ago or people just graduated a couple months ago. Um, so they're just entering the workforce. Um, you're talking about in retail and restaurant anyway. These are the people that are the cashiers, the stockers, very, we'll say low. I don't want to say low talent. Um, but I do want to say low skill requirement. Uh, they might be highly skilled people in some ways, but um, you, you're getting a job to stock shelves and put boxes in the right location. So uh, you're not seeing, we're not talking about somebody, for example, in finance that's got 15 years of accounting experience as a CPA, tax accountant, or, you know, done some other uh, financial work. Yeah. The, you know, and that's the funny part. Like, I don't hear anybody from all of my friends who are in the accounting industry, all the people that I work with, you know, because a lot of times I, I connect with accountants all the time. You know, the auditors come in, they're looking at things, I'm working with them. And it's always the same story that you can't find the people, mm -hmm. the people, the people don't do like things are different now. Um, and the cost has been driven up. Because for what they have to do, they need more people. And, right. uh, you know, it really comes down to supply and demand. So I'm in the New York area. So I would tell you that that part of this chart, no way. There's no, <laughs> there's no way you could tell me that salaries are dropping or even on the even on the new hires. I just don't think that they're dropping. Exactly. Well, I'm seeing the same thing here in the Midwest. So, you know, it takes a little bit longer sometimes for stuff to reach the middle. But um, back to my previous discussions, we still have a population shortage. Uh, we have fewer people coming into the workforce. We have more jobs than there are people. 
I can walk by any fast food restaurant and typically the wages are starting somewhere around 12 to $14 an hour minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live out in a rural area, so we do see some of the restaurants being able to pay less and still get employees. But for the most part in metro areas, such as Milwaukee and Madison, for example, 18 to 20 is about the average I'm seeing there. I've seen as high as 20 advertised $25 an hour starting at a, at a fast food restaurant which to me just boggles my mind because, well, it also explains why your, your Big Mac is now costing close to 20 bucks. But um, yeah, it's just crazy. And, and actually we did run a, a survey with one of my clients. So they're in staff augmentation. They're, they're placing people all the time for temporary positions. And her biggest question was, well, what do I pay these people? So we, we surveyed her clients because their clients also have permanent staff and and we started asking them well what are they paying and in most cases they were paying higher than she was obviously for full-time um but as a part-time uh or you know temp to uh, temporary working position she's also got to keep competitive with that otherwise she can't get the temp workers that they need to fill in when they have open spots on their schedule yeah and uh what we came down to is she had to do about a I think it was a 10 to 15% increase in wages just to be sure that she had the resources to pay the people to work uh, because they were going to go somewhere else or they were going to take a full-time job. And obviously fewer people means that she can't staff the positions that people are asking her to staff. So I'm not seeing it. I just, I'm really struggling with this report beyond, uh, you know, how many positions are entry level that outside of, again, the what we've talked about with restaurant, retail, um, you know, even in manufacturing, you know, there's some entry level positions where you're basically bringing in parts or you're in training. I can understand where you might be making less there, but uh, even in construction, a lot of the entry level positions, they're paying high wages. Uh, I was meeting with a client yesterday and they're they're in the glass business and in their case, you know, their, their, their wages are going up and they're still having trouble attracting people and, and attracting talent in it on top of that. So I don't know where it's coming from. No, I don't see it. I still don't see it. I've been doing, uh, over the last few years, warehousing, healthcare, you know, every, every meeting, it was always about the same thing. Where are we getting more talent? Where are we bringing more yep. people in? You know, matrix set up to show, you know, how many people do we need to have on staff and every one of them short. So, you know, then the comments and the conversation becomes, well, the guy down the street just raised his, you know, raised what he's offering to get people in the door. So, you know, again, unless this is some kind of a wonderful (laughs) trickle, trickle down economic, you know, plan, you know, to start with the lowest people and and move into everything else, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I, so last I checked, there was about 4 million, four and a half million jobs that still are sitting open. Uh, I don't have the, the details on what those jobs entail. Obviously a, there's a big chunk of them that I would say are entry level, low skill positions. Um, but anything requiring a license, a degree, uh, years of training, they're still paying top dollar for it. I don't see that going down. I uh, just, I paged through the article here and pulled up, um, you know, Denver must be having 
some unique situations going on because in Denver, uh, retail company Appliance and Mattry, uh, Mattress Kingdom is, you know, they're paying around eight, $18 an hour now. A year ago, they were paying $20 an hour. I, I Okay, yeah. what caused that bump down? What What really made you think that you could cut wages by $2 an hour to hire people. And Oh, by the way, when I find out that somebody who took the job last year is making $20 or $2 an hour more than me, what do you think is going to happen? Mm. Cause all these guys think that this is all secret stuff. <laughs> well, this, this guy just <laughs> outed it on a national magazine, a national publication. So I, yeah, I with your name, <laughs> with your name. So yeah, if you're assuming that, you know, these guys don't read, uh, you might be horribly wrong. So, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's just an interesting market that we're in right now. Uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon. I've warned all my clients. I think, you know, for the foreseeable decade or two, we are going to see a situation where we are going to be short staffed in almost every industry, especially skilled ones, especially professional ones. Um which has me kind of leaning on them to maybe do some more automation. And I don't know what you're telling your clients, but obviously there's an investment when you make, uh, when you buy equipment or when you buy technology that eliminates a person or people. Uh, but the long-term benefits might be better. Yeah. I think that, I think that that has been started, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, who, okay. you know, one of my kind of tenants is, technology before headcount. Yep. Um, which just means if there's something there that can do things better, faster, efficient, efficient, then you should go ahead and try that because the cost is completely different than putting a person. Um, but, you know, that's over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the interesting part becomes, you know, we are in an automation society. And as you keep telling me, which I totally agree with, you know, you keep telling me that, you know, we have a shortage, so you're not going to be able to replace it. Even if you hired everybody for every open job, you know, I think we're just still going to come up short. Right. So automation does become a necessary, you can call it a necessary evil if you want to, I don't call it an evil, <laughs> but you know, you can call it a necessary evil because it really does have to happen. Um, right. Because you're just not necessarily going to be able to accomplish what you want without using it. Exactly. Well, the only other option I see, and um, you know, this this will probably raise some some hairs on the back of people's necks right now. Is you know, we have an immigration issue. Uh, I, I don't think we should let people walk across the border. But bottom line is, we do have positions that people could fill that we should fill. And we do have to find different ways to allow people to immigrate here. Uh, I know the process is extremely complicated and expensive. I've, I've got friends and family who have, uh, you know, significant others or spouses that are from other countries. I have two sisters that married people out of the country. And, you know, that I know the process that it took to get them in here. One, it, it, was several years and thousands, if not tens of thousands in legal fees to get him a green card. Okay. Can't we simplify that process? And on the other end, we can't just let anyone walk across the border and do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. At the same point, we've got people here who are capable of work 
and they can't work because they're they're undocumented. So there's all sorts of issues here, and, and we're not here to get into the kerfuffle of all that. I mean, you believe whatever you want to politics wise, but the problem is we are short of people and we need to find ways to fill it. Um, the other side of this is, you know, dealing with people who, who have professional skills, engineers, tech, uh, accounting, for example, um, medical surgeons, uh, it always isn't always the easiest thing to get in this country to fill in, you know, those jobs that are available for a number of reasons. Uh, it could be credentialing in, in your position. I know even with dentistry and doctors, uh, you might have a degree in that from your home country, but it might not follow the same standards here in the U.S. Um, so is there a standardization level that we need to get? And then how do we, again, allow those people to work here if, if there's opportunities here? So just from the staffing side of things, I, I think we are facing a challenge. I will go back to it is your responsibility as a business owner to create the best work environment possible with the resources you have to do so. And that can be rather difficult. Uh, Rich, I know you deal with the financial part of it a lot, but salary and benefits are, are a big expense for a lot of companies, aren't they? They're, they're huge. Uh, in some cases, you know, especially healthcare type or, um, your biggest expenses on your on your P and L, even in warehousing distribution, it's the people in the rent. Right. So you know the the salaries and then your facilities; those are the two things. So you know, on businesses that have gone remote, you're really only dealing with the salaries. So right. <laughs> you know, because you don't have that facility cost. So your biggest expense, nine times out of ten, becomes your people. Right. So again, and I agree with you 100. percent How do you create the environment that allows you to pay them what is realistic and then, you know, keep them happy. And that's the trick, keeping them happy. Um, there's a lot to be learned about how generations change over time. Uh, we still have a mindset that I believe for some people is stuck in the 1950s. For other people, it might have upgraded to the 1980s. But either way, there's still a, a challenge that we're facing, and that's you're hired for a position and some owners expect you to just live in that position till the day you die. So one, they're looking for loyalty Two, they don't expect you to grow or develop in any way, shape or form other than get better at, at what you're doing. So whether it's widget building, whether it's accounting, whether it's uh, you know, office work, stay here because if you stay here, then I don't have to hire or train anybody to replace you. Well, the reality is, especially with the generations coming up, they're looking for coaching, they're looking for development, uh, they're looking for a career path, and if they can't get it where they're working at, they're going to find it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. They're going to pack up their bags and leave. I think the average length of time an employee stays at a company now is less than two years. Rich, what's That's... the average cost of, of hiring an employee? Do you have any idea? Um, I don't have specific statistics, um, but depending on how you get them, yep. you know, your, your recruiting costs are up, um, your, uh, even if you do it in-house and you do it yourself, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's ways to do it. It's just how fast do you need it? So it becomes, you know, you pay more to do something faster. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I don't really have a good statistic on, on that. Um, 
my experience is if you're using a recruiter, it's a minimum of 20% of that person's salary. So let's just for round numbers, say a hundred thousand dollar salary is going to take you about 20 grand for a recruiter to replace that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when you're using a recruiter, you're also doing, as you point out, you're doing your own work because you're hoping that you'll hire before the recruiter does. Yeah. Um, so you, you're going to probably spend, we'll say maybe five to 10% of that person's salary between things like Indeed or um, ZipRecruiter, stuff like that. Yep. Um, then there's the interviewing, then there's the more interviewing, then there's the negotiations, mm-hmm. uh, then there's the hiring, then there's the training. Now, uh, in my world, because I, I don't know how often you really deal with the numbers on this, but typically it's, it's said that to get a person up to speed takes approximately a year. And you can factor in that from that point of hire till that year, you're going to invest about two and a half times salary to get that person up to speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be hard dollars. That may be, I'll call it soft dollars. So it, it's intrinsic or it's, you know, it's just in the, the fact that they're not as productive as they will be once they're proficient at their job. I think that's where probably about half of that goes is um, when you hire somebody new, even if they have expertise, you know, you're, you come from an accounting background and you, you've worked with a number of different companies to know that one company does things differently than another company. doesn't mean it's wrong. just means how they do the process is different. Well, if you're an accountant going from one to the next, you've got to learn their processes and what to look for and this, that, the other thing. And, and there's a cost factor to that. There's also a time factor. Now, if you're keeping somebody for a year and a half to two years, basically if it takes them a year to get trained, You've got them for roughly six months before they're on. They're already looking at their next opportunity yeah. again, because most people aren't given a path to growth or they're not given the coaching that they're looking for. If you look at most surveys, I believe, you know, the number one reason why they leave is is they felt that there was no opportunity for growth beyond their current position where they were at or mm-hmm. their manager wasn't giving them the time they needed to answer, address any questions or concerns or, or give them feedback on how they were doing. And we have a whole generation that is looking for that. I mean, how many of these kids are soccer kids? Did your kids do soccer? No, oh, you lucked out. Well, I lucked out too. I can't complain. Uh, but you know, I, I see these, these soccer parents that, you know, they took their kids everywhere. Their kids were used to being coached almost year round. Yeah. And now they get in the real world. So they're no longer, you know, doing soccer anymore. At least most of them probably aren't. And they're looking for that coaching that's not happening. And, and that's where I'm, I'm looking at most business owners and executives saying, what are you doing to coach or develop your people? Well, you know, we, we provide some level of training. No, what are you doing? So you have so many people reporting to you. How are you supporting them? And they, they'll tell me they're too busy. That's the biggest excuse I get. Well, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't have time to coach my people. That's not my job. No, no, that's your primary job. Actually, all this other stuff you're doing, you probably should be delegating to the people you hired and teaching them how to do it. Yeah. And while that doesn't directly impact, uh, you know, wages, uh, well, actually it does indirectly impact wages because now that person's leaving, they're looking for the next opportunity, which means the next company is going to pay them more. Uh, upwards of 10 to 20% is 
I've heard 20, at least 20% to get a person to move from their current job to a new job yeah. is usually what you need to do. Uh, beyond that, they're getting a better title in most cases. So if they were a supervisor here, they're a manager there, they're a director mm-hmm. at the next place or get a, given some sort of you know executive VP title beyond that. So there's all this growth that's happening, but it's through transition in work. So you're, you're essentially hiring somebody to train them for the next position at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the key point that I just heard from you is exactly the thing that keeps going through my head that, you know, it doesn't necessarily come down to um, the, the dollar number anymore. You know, I think, well, I mean, it, it, it can't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> It'll but, open the door, but, but it's I not going to get yeah, them to walk through. But I, but I do hear a lot more that, you know, where people get unhappy is, is more so now on non-monetary than previously. In the past, it was always the monetary. I could make more money somewhere else. I don't understand yep. why I'm not making it here, blah, blah, blah. But when you, when you really get into talking to people now, that teamwork thing, you know, is a, is a big deal, you know, learning from the person that you're coming to work for, you know, uh, being able to say, I worked for this guy and these are the things that we did. And wow, look at these projects. And that builds out a resume that you can sell later on. We know you're eventually going to go somewhere, but Mm -hmm. we want to keep you as long as we can. So if you're still building that resume, you know, some people will hang out for longer because they're getting something other than the dollars. Right. They're getting that, that, you know, uh, that buildup of what, um, skills they can, they can sell. Yeah. What I see is the lowest turnover happens where the manager, the supervisor, director, whoever is engaged. They are coaching their people. They understand the value of the talent they're hiring and they're spending time with them. Bottom line is they're spending time with them because yep. that's what these people crave. The other side of it is work-life balance. And yes. while I, I'm not a big believer in that, you know, it's a term that's often thrown around. And uh, while we all look to crave some sort of, you know, we don't want to work all the time. We also shouldn't want to play all the time. You know, we've got to find some happy medium in, in the middle. But at the same point, you know, there's different times of year where you might have to work more. There's other times of year where you can get away with maybe working less. And we need to look at how we coach our staff on on working through those differences. So there's going to be times where you might have to put off a party or maybe you don't go out after work because there's this thing to do. But there should also be other times that offset or compensate for that. So yeah. Uh, you know, maybe in summer months, you're slower. Now there's more free time where maybe you leave in early afternoon because, you know, come fall during your peak times, you're going to have to put in extra hours. Right. And in all fairness to employees, I think we also need to coach them on that as well, mm-hmm. because they shouldn't just be able to expect that they can go wherever they want for whatever reason they want. And that might be hard for some people to understand. Yeah, I think I think setting expectations is enormous, especially if we're dealing with like this article, you know, and <laughs> and the and the pricing. They're talking about people that are coming in from say school, right? right. They're entry level people. That that expectations really has to be ingrained in that initial set of conversations. 
whether it takes six months to get it through or what, you know, I mean, I've worked with a lot of different people who've worked for me over time and nine times out of 10, you know, to use that work-life balance, you know, uh, label. Um, I always tell people, look, your kid's got something going on. You better be there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be happy if you don't see something that's going on with one of your kids. And I've had that conversation with a number of people and said, you know, I don't need you to come and tell me that you're going to do something. I need you to go do it. And then as long as your work is getting done, whether that's later on that night or whether it's before you leave or whether it's the next morning, somewhere along the line, you're going to give me back the hours that, you know, we can go back to that old school mentality of, well, you know, you take that hour, you got to give me an hour back over here. Right. I don't necessarily sit there and say there's a tally card, you know, and you have to let me know what, you know, how I made out by you going to see your kids play. Um, but you need to go see your kids play because mm-hmm. they're not going to be in it again. So yeah. from a, from a, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'd be unhappy if you didn't go do that because you're doing a spreadsheet for me. Right. Know? And communication becomes the big deal there. Yeah. I think the part of that that you alluded to is expectations clear expectations because do your employees know what is expected of them and what their output should be? I don't see a lot of that. I I see a lot of assumptions, but I don't, I don't see clear expectations. So the employee thinks, well, I, you know, I'm going to this birthday party for my daughter or my son and I, I'm not going to have to worry about anything after that. Well, what if you have a project that's due at the end of the week and it needs to get done? You know, go to the birthday party, but then figure out how to get that project complete on a timeline uh, or seek help so that we make sure we meet our deadlines. And yeah. that's not where I'm, I'm seeing managers do. And, and that's also where their biggest frustration comes in because they haven't established those. And right. that's why they're running into the issues there are. I think that's also one of the things that I run into when, you know, when someone brings me in because they've lost a CFO, a controller, they need somebody to help kind of just look and see if everything is running smoothly. And a lot of times I come in and it's not. And it really comes down, I think, to that level of, you know, the the leader had not told the staff this is what's expected. So things really, that leader left and the wheel stopped turning Mm -hmm. or the people went and different directions. They actually scattered because they all thought they knew what was best, but it was all separate instruction. Yep. So your, so your first task is, well, I got to look at the numbers. And then your second task is I got to figure out where everybody is and reel them back in and get them back into, you know, what I call the same boat, you know, get in the same boat <laughs> and row in the same direction. Now you're, you know, now you're a formidable, you know, contender. Yeah. So, but. Or what I see is you've got, the rudderless ship because the person who had left was a control freak and they were the Oracle. They, they directed and dictated everything. So you had your minions working below you that were tasked with certain jobs to do, but were never told why they needed to do that job or given a timeline because ultimately it fell back on that leader. Well, in your situation, you know, the example you gave, that person walks out the door. Now you have people sitting at their desk wondering, well, what should I do next? Yeah. And as you point out, they, they might go on their own path or they might just sit there and, and wallow in their indecision because they, they're not clear as to what they're supposed to be doing in the first place. Yeah. 
I walked into I walked into one and I always call it the story of Joe because when, <laughs> when you when you walked in you would ask somebody to do something and say well I got to check with Joe I have to check with Joe <laughs> Joe was the CEO there was 15 people in the whole company it was a, it was an upstart Mm-hmm. And there were 15 people there. And every time I asked somebody to do something, they said, well, I got to check with Joe. And I said, you have a problem. And they said, what's that? I said, Joe's on a six-month trip to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Joe ain't answering his Joe's calls. not answering it. He's 12 <laughs> hours different easily on the time zone chart. So we got to figure out how to do some of this without Joe. <laughs> <laughs> which means you're going to have to take a risk and make a choice and yeah. we'll deal with the outcomes of that choice later on. Yep. Hopefully you chose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think they did. I think they did, yeah. but they, it was the kind of shocker that, you know, Joe's not here to tell you what to do. So what are we, what, what are we going to do as a plan B? Yep. And again, the more, you know, and the more you're able to operate on your own, the higher your wages are going to be. And of course, there's fewer and fewer people of capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. But you still kind of see this momentum push where you, you have your top talent that are getting paid top dollar. And you still don't want the talent beneath that to be too far off. Otherwise, if you got too big of a separation, you're going to end up seeing them walk out the door. Uh, you know, in, in business, everyone's trying to make things cheaper. Well, that's a race to the bottom. You know, the, the there's a point where you can make things cheap, but then there's going to be somebody else that comes along that's bigger and has more resources and they'll make it a little bit cheaper and a little bit cheaper. And then, you know, most companies can't compete off that. I think we see some of that happening in Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other side of the coin is there's a limit to what you can pay people. You can't just keep upping wages. Now, yeah. some companies, again, can they've got more resources, they can pay more money, but the vast majority of companies don't have that luxury. And at some point you will hit a wall and, and you will be talking with your CFO who's saying you can't afford to pay people these salaries unless we do something as far as raising prices and whatnot. And of course, most right. companies don't want to jack their rates up too much out of fear that then their, their clients are going to walk. Right. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, of course, each company's in an individual situation and, and they need to look at what they're doing. But, you know, based on this article, Rich, what's, what's been your takeaway from all this? Um, I think that there will be a point in time where, you know, the market might settle a bit. Um, I personally think that having seen in other industries, having seen that their prices are up, I have a decent feeling that they're not going to see a big drop Mm -hmm. that everybody's kind of looking for, which is why these articles are looking to, you know, be the first to report that, you know, salaries (laughs) are coming down. Um, but I don't think they are. I think we're in an inflationary society now. I think these increased numbers are there for uh, for a while. I don't necessarily see. There's got to be some other. Um, I, ha- I have to see some other economic factor that's going to push it in a different direction. Um, but I, I think my takeaway is this is what we're here to deal with. And I think on the go forward, we really have to start thinking about the fact that this is where it's going to be. Um, and my second kind of piece to that is look into the automation and see if you can go along with the trend. Yeah, I, I have a similar takeaway to you. Uh, first takeaway is that I think wall street journal had to sell some papers and this was a good way to do it because there's a lot of owners out there who are looking for some relief on the payment front. 
Um, but I think my biggest takeaway again is we're not going to see any changes anytime soon. You really are going to have to change how your leaders work. If you want to keep your people and you want to quit hiring as much, you're, you're always going to have some turnover, but it boils back down to you've got to develop the people you have. You have to keep your, your best talent happy. And trust me, they're not happy when they see lower talent getting paid more and, and usually getting more attention than what they're doing and they're, they're doing all the work. So you really have to look at how you're handling that. Uh, in the end, I don't see much as far as salaries changing at all. I think we're we're kind of at a new level or a new plateau. It, it'll probably settle down a little bit, but that's all depends on you know where inflation is at and and how quickly people are are again rotating through new positions by taking that new opportunity. So, bottom line is you have to train, you have to coach, you have to develop if you want to keep your staff and manage your your labor costs at all. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of companies out there that could use our help, Rich. So how would they get a hold of you if they need to look at their finances and figure out why they're bleeding cash in the payroll department? Um, I would reach out to me at rveltry at veltrygroup.com. That's the best way to get me. And if you need help trying to figure out how to keep your staff happy, give me a call. Dan Paulson. I am at danpaulsonletsgo.com. You can just fill out a form there and set up an appointment. And we can definitely talk about it. Uh, this has been Books in the Biz. You can find us at booksandbiz.com, B-O-O-K-S, the letter N, B-I-Z.com. That's where the podcasts are held. You can also find us on YouTube. We ask that you uh, subscribe in both cases and also like and hit the notification button. All that helps us keep doing this for you. And other than that... I think we got to go off and help some people uh, find employees, Rich. <laughs> I think that's our next job here. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right. You have a great time, and we will chat with you again next week. All right. Take care. <laughs>